from his studios in New York. It's time for Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, where sports meets life. Here's your host, Dan Tortora. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. You're also watching live on Facebook, Facebook.com backslash LiveNowDT. And we're at that portion of today's broadcast inside of Mon Paz Kettle Corn and Popcorn Factories. What's popping? You've heard the annoying moment of the week. You've heard from the Syracuse Orange men's basketball team. And the top dog of the week was announced, and now it's time to hear from Senior Deputy Athletics Director at Syracuse University, Herm Frazier, who is been on the has been on the show for years with us, really since he's come into Syracuse, has been here, no stranger to the broadcast. Always appreciate his time. He is not only part of the athletics department at Syracuse, but he's an integral part of it, always out there with these student athletes, constantly at these games and I don't know how he does it without cloning himself, but he seems to always be at every single event, and that says a lot about his character. It says a lot about his care and concern, and by not just saying that you're going to do a job, but to actually go out there and do that. So with that being said, I bring him into the broadcast by saying thank you first and foremost. Herm, how are you doing today? Hey, I'm doing extremely well, Dan. Um, you know, it's that time of the year when uh, a lot of our student-athletes are finishing up their academics and today's the last day of uh, classes for most of them. And then next week they will start their finals. And then some get the opportunity to go home. But our men's and women's basketball teams obviously will have to stay around because uh, they still have some contests coming up. And, and when you look at that, so you and I were talking about it a little bit off the air, the fact that you know, with this new ACC schedule and, you know, with games being expanded on the women's side and on the men's side, you have to find where to place these games now. And, and, and obviously, you know, Syracuse is, is used to, as many teams are around the country, of scheduling all their non-conference and then eventually end of December, beginning of January, going into conference play. Well, that doesn't happen anymore because you have to find spaces for these games how have you navigated that and, and just what your thoughts are on the addition of ACC games inside of what we already had, the fact that these uh, men's and women's teams have to play a little bit more in conference now? Well, it, it really, really tests uh, everything that we have to do, and, and it, it tests your, your mental fortitude because there's a couple of other things that I'm not sure all the fans realize. For instance, when we were playing those games in the preseason NIT and we had to go down to uh, the Barclays, well, the other two teams that we had to play or the other two games, which were the Bucknell game and the Seattle game, those games have to be played within a 10-day window of when the Barclay games would have to be played. So you had to factor in, so that's four games. And then you couple that with having this to open the season with the Virginia game. And now uh, all of a sudden we have to squeeze in the Georgia Tech game on this Saturday, which is tomorrow. And then we get a week off. And then next week, obviously, we have the, uh, the scheduled contest at Georgetown. So 
it's it's been uh, a kind of moving of the chairs on the deck. But uh, at the end of the day, we try to balance it, and uh, so that's what we're dealt. So when you look at that and trying to balance it and figure out how to put this all together, you know, th- this is obviously a change that's happening. There's other changes that are happening around collegiate athletics. You've been connected with collegiate athletics for a long time. You have been at, at all different ends of the spectrum and different pieces of sports in the world, from the Olympics to collegiate athletics to, you know, everything that you've experienced in your personal and professional life. What's it like for you to see the NCAA at this point, you know, respond to California in this pay-for-play type of situation and for the NCAA to say, you know what, name, image, and likeness, let's do it. Let's allow these athletes to make some money. There's talk of agents, you know, being involved, which California had brought up. New York State was trying to pass legislation that 15% of ticket sales were going to go back to the players. There were all these different things that were happening. And now the NCAA is trying to create a, a blanket policy and a blanket rule. But whatever they create is is going to change the landscape of collegiate athletics and what we know to be amateur athletics. How do you respond to it that, you know, something like this that that is so monumental is happening in our time right now? Well, the one thing I will say, and you notice I, I kind of chuckled, the one thing it's going to do is open up more jobs for compliance people. Yeah. So if there's young people out there <laughs> who want to get into a profession, uh, the compliance area is, is uh, certainly going to need uh, more capable people in that area. Um, and what you just said was a mouthful. And it's a mouthful because I call it a lot of moving parts. And all of those moving parts are to be able to uh, maneuver all of this while still trying to have competitive teams in all of your sports and trying to live within the spirit of the rule. So I think the NCAA and the conferences and the institutions and the state are all going to have to sit down and, and try to come up with some particular documents as best we can that will be able to address all these things. And it's a lot coming at us at one time. And so this isn't going to happen overnight. I think they've tried to give themselves a couple of years to put it into place, although some of the uh, the states are trying to push it a little bit sooner. Uh, but we'll just have to see how the, how it all works out. And, you know, to, to see how this is going on and, and how to navigate through it, are you happy to know that the NCAA at least has made some type of a decision to try and move forward and, and create something for everyone outside of what was happening when California had passed legislation that's supposed to take place in 2021 and then seeing Kentucky and Colorado and Florida and Pennsylvania and New York try to create their own. Are you happy to, as much as this is a mouthful and as much as this is confusing, and like you said, there's going to be more compliance jobs that will open up, are you happy to see that this is not going to be a state-by-state thing and that the NCAA is going to try and create something for everybody? Yeah, it, it has to be something for everybody, Dan, because if, if it's controlled and and it has deregulation whereby it could be state by state, then it's going to change the landscape of NCAA athletics. I mean, the Alabamas, if they have a rule that's different than the state of Louisiana, that's different than the state of California, which is different than the state of Florida, then we all know 
where the top athletes in certain sports are going to go. And so to be able to have somewhat of a level playing field, I think you still need to be regulated somewhat by the NCAA. Now, you mentioned that they changed the rule, which is, which is fine, but I don't think they had any alternative. Uh, they had to try to get out in front of this uh, before taking on a life of its own. That coming from Syracuse University Senior Deputy Athletics Director Herm Frazier. Herm, before we get into the sports themselves and, and obviously football wrapping up and basketball being in full swing, I do want to ask you about this because it's it's not only been carried here in the community, but it's all over the country. Uh, unfortunately, we live in a world where there are prejudice that, that still happens, sexism that still happens, racism that still happens. And it's tough to say that this ever existed in, in humanity in the history of thousands of years, let alone here in 2019. How are you handling Syracuse University and everything that's going on as somebody who works there and is an integral part of the fabric of Syracuse University? How are you handling the protests and, and everything that's going on there? And as an African-American man, just how you navigate through all this, because I know that you care about these kids. I know that safety is paramount to you. So how do you handle being up on the hill knowing that we're kind of going through a uh, tumultuous time at Syracuse and in the community as well? Well, it's, it's, it's challenging, and, and you're right. Uh, being an African-American myself and having come up in the 60s, obviously I understand a lot of the things that you can go through. I can't very well sit here and say that I understand everything that are challenges that are the young people uh, who are here in 2017, 18, 19, 2020. Um, but I think they have, uh, had the opportunity to express themselves as best they can. I think the university has utilized its best efforts to, to try to step up and be able, uh, to address, uh, all of these issues. And, and I think Syracuse University has been around for a long, long time. And as we all know, all universities have challenges. And um, while everybody may not agree, I would certainly think that the people here in this administration uh, from the university have been around a long time. And they understand these things. And it's, it starts with the chancellor. He understands it. I know him perhaps a little bit differently than some of the other people uh, because of my interaction with him. And he, he really is a caring man and a caring person. And I'm sure that he, along with the rest of the administration and the Board of Trustees, will do everything that they possibly can uh, to, to resolve all the issues that we see at hand. Do you feel safe personally? Oh, I, I walk around this town. Um, I've, I've never, ever felt threatened whatsoever uh, since I've been uh, in this town, obviously, I I've come to know a lot of people. Uh, you know, I never thought I would be in this community for uh, eight plus years, and I've been here eight plus years. And I have friends uh, from um, all nationalities, uh, all religions, and um, Caroline and I have really enjoyed ourselves uh, the time that we have spent here in Syracuse University. 
That coming from Herm Frazier here this morning, Senior Deputy Athletics Director for Syracuse. And Herm, I do want to get to, I know that you're you're always there at the football games, post-game press conferences throughout. I know that you were in the room with Floyd Little when Dino was, you know, one of those guys that you were looking at to be hired and you were a big part of this. Four years have gone by, four and eight, four and eight, ten and three, five and seven. What's your take on Dino being part of that beginning, being part of that process of bringing him in, and now seeing, four, I mean, somehow, some way, four years have just kind of flown by. What have you taken away from what Dino has done up to this point? Well, first of all, Dino's the ultimate profession, and he's the ultimate professional. And um, John Wallhack and I, just the other day, met with the football team to, to talk about some of the issues that you just described that were going on on campus. And uh, we met with the entire team. And when I look at the young men who are in that room who represent this institution and represent this football program, I see, I see some guys who are hurting, and they're hurting um, because, just like everybody else, they thought they would have another game to play. And um, I think it, it starts with Dino and the staff, but I think it permeates throughout all the rest of the people and through the rest of us who wanted to be in some type of postseason. We believe that we're headed in the right direction. Of course, I, w- I would call this just a setback. I think as, as we look at uh, the next couple of years and and to be able to have our ability to compete and compete at a high level has, has always been our goal. Uh, Dino Babers is, he's not having fun right now. I mean, he, he wants to recruit and get players to uh, replace the ones who are leaving. And also he wants to be able to, to be in this community. I, I think we see him everywhere. He wants to be successful. And uh, while we've had a little setback with, five and seven, but I was really, really happy to see uh, the young men come back and win against Wake Forest last week because they really could have laid down, but I think you saw them all the way through the overtime uh, continue to play and continue to play hard, and, and what a way to end the season on a, on a takeaway when you think the opposing team is about to score and uh, you take that L and turn it into a W. We 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 know, and you know, obviously, as 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 times grow and teams get better, it's easier to to take control of the team as you struggle through four and eight and four and eight. But you get wins over the top twenty five. You get a win over Clemson, who was a reigning national champion at the time. When you build off of those things, then you get to ten and three. It's easy to you know become the leader in Dino's case and take control of that. When you have a year, like you said, that's a setback to 5-7, and seven, do you believe that this team still believes in him? Do you see his leadership come through? Because on the way up, it's it's it becomes easier, I would imagine, to claim that leadership. But when you fall down a little bit right after you just got up, it, it sometimes is difficult to hold on to it. Have you seen him hold on to it, in your opinion, as I know that you spend a lot of time around him in the program? Well... The way I answer that is, I mean, you've been over here and you've seen our setup of our offices. When I walk out of my office, I'm literally right next to the academic area. So I see the football players every day. Um, 
they they have the football building where they go and work out and strength and conditioning, and then they go to the Inley Center or the outdoor fields. But when they come through our building, I see them all the time. So just yesterday alone, um, I saw Alton Robinson. I saw Moniel. Uh, I saw Clayton. I, I see the kids all the time, and, and they're upbeat, and they understand what they went through. And so uh, I don't think anybody's given up. And that's the most important thing. There's a time when you can lose a team, yeah. and I don't see that at all. We, we, you know, every single year it happens. It's happening right now with coaches all over the country of people being brought up for other jobs. Uh, Florida State comes up, and there's rumors and people saying, oh, you know, what about Dino at Florida State and whatnot? And, and last year there was talk, and the year before that there's talk when, when you know, he beats a Clemson. What can you say about – Dino's commitment in your opinion to Syracuse and if you truly feel like in a world where things change so rapidly in athletics do you feel that you have a coach that's going to be here for the long haul and create sustainable success well I read an article last night out of uh, Missouri newspaper that said uh, uh, they were looking at African-American head coaches and it listed uh, Herm Edwards who's at my alma mater, Arizona State. Yeah. It listed Babers, and it listed two other guys. So the thing is, your, your name's always going to pop up for different jobs. And sometimes people do that, as you know, in your business, just to see the reaction they're going to get from the boosters and, and people within the area. Yeah. Um, I think Dino's committed to Syracuse University, and he wants to see this place be successful, and that's what he's going to do. And before I let you go, speaking here with Senior Deputy Athletics Director Herm Frazier here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora inside of the Charney's Menswear and Tuxedo Studios, a couple final pieces here, one of them being on the basketball side of things. The, the men's team obviously struggling last year. There were some struggling moments this year. You know, obviously that's happened too. There's there's five true freshmen on the team. We haven't seen John Boljak. He hasn't been out there yet, but we've seen the likes of the rest of the newcomers onto the team. What can you say about this? I mean, you came in, like you said, eight-plus years ago. This is the 44th coaching year of Jim Beheim. He played here, so we're looking at almost 50 years of Jim Beheim connected to the program. What are your thoughts about you know his team, where he's at right now? You were in the post-game press conference where he said, we're not ready to play the top 25, we're not ready for the top 30, we're not ready for the top 50, we got a lot of growing to do. What's your assessment right now? And, and hearing you know your head coach say, we're simply just not ready at this point. Well, as you know, he's been around a long time, and you know he's witty, he understands what he needs to do more so than anybody else with that team. Um, but not only do I watch him, I also watch the assistants. And even after we finish games late at night, uh, if a game starts at 8, if a game starts at 9, you know, those gentlemen aren't getting home until maybe midnight or after. But then I'll come rolling over here the next morning, uh, 7 o'clock or 6.30 or something, and those guys are already at work. And so what that tells you is the commitment is there to be successful. They just got to keep it going. And Jim understands. Those guys understand. 
and they're just going to keep getting after it. I mean, they're not going to give up. Every single one of those guys, including Jim, are an alum of the institution. And I kind of get on John Wildhack about it, too, because when when you work at your alma mater, it, it's more than a job. It's something that you're committed to. It's something that you want to do. It's something that you want to see be successful. I was fortunate to work at my alma mater for 21 years. And every day I went to work, I felt as though the weight of the entire school was on my shoulders because that was my school. And I think that's how those guys look at Syracuse University. And I could speak to them in that particular regard. And they care about this place. And they're going to do everything they can to get it turned around and start winning some games. And on the women's side of it, you know, Coach Q, uh, one of one of the best personalities in our community and, and somebody that I've really gotten to build a relationship with over the years, like Jim Beheim, but obviously totally different personality, you know, to see what he's been able to do. I mean, you've hosted the number one team in the nation in Oregon and Syracuse hung with him for a bit in that game. I uh, hung with other teams that are ranked in the top three, top 25. Uh, despite some of these losses, they're playing in these games and pushing these teams like Oregon and Michigan and Stanford and whatnot. What can you say about what Q's doing and just what his personality brings? Because he's always smiling, always seems like he has a positive word to say, always seems like he's trying to inspire somebody. What's it like to be around somebody like Q? Well, first of all, I feel bad for him because last night, again, I was watching the game. That game came on 9 o'clock against University of Michigan. And I think with about six minutes to go in the game, he had a 10-point lead. We had a 10-point lead. And then all of a sudden, Michigan kept chipping away at him. And then they took the lead. And then we had to make a basket at the end to tie it. And then they had a chance to... uh to win it, but we were able to stop them and then get the, uh, the rebound. But then when we got into the overtime, uh, they scored. And then, to be honest with you, I think we got a little tired. But the thing about Q is he, he takes on a non-conference schedule like that, which is really going to prepare him and uh, those young ladies when they get ready for the conference. And so um, by the time he gets to postseason, uh, be it in the ACC and or the first and second round of the NCAA, these young ladies will be battle-tested and, and ready to go. And the thing about Q is his personality is the kind of person that when he walks into the living room and he's trying to recruit your daughter, uh, any family's going to want your, uh, your young daughter to, to come be in a program with a guy like him with his personality and also the way he feels about the student late student athletes on his team. Absolutely. And I couldn't say it better myself, you know, that he, he's an honest man. He's a good man. He's a faithful man. And, and that comes through that coming from Herm Frazier, senior deputy athletics director at Syracuse. Herm, uh, last two things here, uh, John Wildhack. Sometimes we see him, sometimes we don't. Sometimes, you know, he's he's in doing this work and taking care of a lot of business. And, you know, as opposed to Dr. Gross, who was more, you know, uh, flashy and out in front of everybody, uh, John Wildhack, sometimes, you know, he is behind the scenes and whatnot. What have you taken away from working with John Wildhack? And then the final piece is just what you can say about the renovations to the dome and everything we're doing. So I know they're two separate things, but what's John meant to Syracuse in your opinion? And what is this uh, expansion and, 
and uh, new creation of the dome, so to speak, mean to this university as well? Okay, well, the first one with John, um, and I mentioned it a little bit earlier. I mean, John has uh, he's walked in, and and he's all he's all ears to be able to hear what's going on. And the only thing that he wants to do more so than anything else is always have a positive attitude and have a um, have everybody think that Syracuse University Athletics is a part of the entire university. Um, again, he's an alum. Uh, John, he, he bleeds. He really does bleed orange. I, I, I mean, every day that's all he talks about. And him and I have some real good in-depth conversations, not only about football and basketball, but every single program that we have here. And he really cares about the program. You're right. He, you don't see him everywhere, but he is everywhere. And him and I are like an extension of each other. Uh, we, we share all of the information. You may see me at the press conferences and you may not see him. But if I'm not there, sometimes you may see him. So we, we're interchangeable and we work real well together. And we, we both want to see all of Syracuse Athletics be successful, uh, not only on the field of play, but to have all the men and women who come through this program leave here as solid citizens and go back uh, to their own communities and, and continue to support the Orange. Transitioning into your second question, uh, we're pretty excited because once the basketball season's over, the, uh, the Dome will close down officially and everything will uh, start to to uh, come under the construction umbrella and hopefully try to get everything completed and ready to go so that when we open up with Colgate next year in the Dome, we will see some new amenities. Um, we'll come into something that obviously everybody knows is going to be in, in phases, but the most important thing right now for them to do is, is get the roof changed. And I know that Pete Sala and all the people involved from his area are trying very, very hard to get this done. It is not easy. And as you look out your window or your studio, just like you said, it's with the <laughs> snow and everything else going on, and you got cranes moving, you've got us trying to have men's basketball games, women's basketball games, state football. Uh, the Dome is a lot of things to a lot of people. And think of all the things that you could not do in this community if that dome wasn't there. And I think we have to tip our hats to the people who, who thought about creating the dome. And now what we have to do is make it better uh, for the next generation. Yeah, coming from Herm Frazier once again, and, and Herm, as always, I appreciate it. I thank you for your time. Obviously, safe travels with Georgia Tech coming up in Georgetown and whatnot. And I look forward to seeing you very soon, but thank you for all the topics that you got into today and your your availability that you gave to that. And thank you for the eight plus years that you've given to our community. I really do appreciate it. And I hope that a lot of people take notice of what you've done while you've been here so far. Thank you, sir. And I'll talk to you soon. Okay, buddy. Take care. That coming once again from Herm Frazier, senior deputy athletics director at Syracuse University. And 
we touched, <laughs> I mean, I don't know if there's any topics. We, I mean, we talked about the protests. We talked about the Dome, John Wildhack, Dino Babers, Dino's future, the football team, where what's going on with that, the Syracuse men's basketball team, the Syracuse women's basketball team. I don't, I don't, I don't know where else you go. You know, I thank Herm for not only making the time, but for being open about these these topics because these are topics that are very meaningful to a lot of us, uh, and none more than the safety and well being of our community. So, thank you to Herm for that.